Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you speak to us this morning. Thank you for your anointing, Lord God. Whoa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are good. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I can just feel a real anointing up here. It's beautiful. God is here. I love that God comes to our church. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Yeah, he comes and visits. He loves it. He loves our church. It's his bride. So it's good to have him here. Good to welcome him. Good worship, Caleb. Praise the Lord. How are we all this morning? Everyone well? Great to see you all. Welcome to church again online. Hi. I know some people are quite regular online now. I know it's Helen, Cameron is, hi Helen, just got to say hello to a few online people. So praise the Lord. This morning I am speaking on the sovereignty of God. God is the sovereign. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. Deuteronomy Chapter 10 and verse 17 says exactly this. The Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. That's our God. He is totally in control. He rules the universe. He is all-powerful, all-knowing and all-present. Theologians say omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. He's outside of time, but he looks down at time and he looks down on the universe like a book. That's why he knows the future. It's just like he can turn to the end of the book or the beginning of the book. He knows what's happening. He's in charge. He has total and complete control over every creature, event and circumstance in history. And I really felt it was important for us to remember that. I really feel as people, we need to remember that God is God and we are people and he is in control and he does what he wants. He says that, Isaiah 14 verse 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn saying, surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass and as I have purposed, so it shall stand. If God decides something's going to happen, nothing can stop it. He is God. He says in Isaiah 46.10, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Another one is say, a way of saying that is, I do what I want. I do what I want. I'm God. Everything I want to do, I do. It's just good for us to remember that, isn't it? That God is God. And let me remind you just briefly that he has a master plan and it's a fabulous plan and he's absolutely happening and nothing can stop it. I'll give you a very brief overview. He created the world by his word. He gave us choice. We chose to sin. 
So he called a special people, the Jews, to reveal his laws and his love and our weaknesses. <laughs> we couldn't obey the laws, so he sent his son Jesus, which he'd always planned to do, to die for our sins. He rose again from the dead. He sent the Holy Spirit then to guide us and to birth the church. He gave us the word of God, which he wrote through his people. And in the end, he will come again. Jesus will come again. There will be judgment. There will be tribulation. There will be Armageddon. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. This is his plan and nothing is stopping his plan. It is going exactly as he planned and it will do. Nothing can stop his plan. What a joke. What a joke people are. Seriously, who do we think we are? We think we can stop his plan? I mean, if God decides that the world's going to stop, we're not going to stop it. We can't. If he says it's time for the earth to finish, we're not going to like, oh, quick, get rid of fossil fuels. Maybe we'll stop the earth from stopping. Like, what a joke. What a joke. Who do we think we are? Honestly, I'm so annoyed sometimes with people and their puny little plans like, we're going to stop the world from being destroyed. I'm like, no, we're not. God will decide when the earth stops. And it will stop. But he'll decide when. And we will not be able to change that date by one minute. Because when he decides it comes to an end, it comes to an end. He does what he wants. Psalm 115 verse 3. Our God is in heaven. Again, he does whatever he pleases. <laughs> He's in control. He has a plan for the whole universe. He has a plan for the nations. Every nation he has a plan for. The Bible regularly talks about the nations and his plans. He decides the rise and fall of nations. We might think we do because we think we're so great. We set up our great societies, but God can take them down just like that. And he does it. You read the Bible. There are nations that rise and nations that fall, and God can decide. He's very clear. Listen to this, Acts 17, 26. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Interesting. We thought it was us. We thought we decided this is where we're going to go and this is how far we're allowed to go. No, no, no. It's not us. It's not the United Nations. It's God, actually. He's in charge. Why did English-speaking people suddenly decide to travel all around the world and come to Australia and New Zealand and Canada and America? Because he wanted them to. That's why. It was part of his plan to spread, I believe, to spread the gospel, to bring the gospel to this great nation, to bring the gospel to the beautiful people that were already here. The, the very first minister of the gospel, Richard Johnson, was in, on the first fleet. And get this, William Wilberforce and John Newton were very keen that this man should be an evangelical, born-again Christian. They, they, they wanted him to be on the first fleet. So he was. They, they pushed for it. So he was on the first... I didn't know that connection with William Wilberforce. I thought it was... And John Newton, for that matter. And he was the first minister that arrived on this land, Christian minister that we know of. And he preached from Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to us? And there's a plaque, actually, right in the middle of Sydney, and a, a, a little plinth that has that scripture, and that says, this is where the first sermon was preached by this man, Richard Johnson, which is great. Like that was God's plan to bring the gospel and he was a born again man. And he had an associate whose name was Samuel Marsden 
And Samuel Marsden, I mean, I think I was reading about this and I went, wow, we have to preach about this all. It's such, there's so many exciting stories about God, how God moved in the beginning of our nation and New Zealand. Samuel Marsden, it's an amazing story. I can't tell you now, I'm so excited about it another time. He preached the first message in New Zealand. He, he had, there was an amazing setup where he met one of the Maori kings and they said, come and preach. They actually invited him to come to their lands and come and preach. So he did. And he preached the first message in New Zealand. He also was a born-again man of God. So it's like that was God. God set that all up. Can I just say what a, what a great thing it is to have a nation that God has brought people to, that God has brought his people to and continues to bring people from all the nations and how, how blessed we are that we can share this nation with, with, with the English speakers and then since then we've had so many others. We, we, how, how great that God has decided that our nation should be like that. Please don't ever feel bad about that. Please don't ever feel that there's anything wrong because God has his purposes in bringing us English speakers to Australia and God has his purposes in bringing all the peoples that he brings to Australia. I, I, I just love that we're like that. And he does this all around the world, all around the world. You look in the Bible, if a nation is evil, he does judge them, actually. In the Bible, it's quite like, whoa, he's like, that, you're, this nation is going to, sometimes he says, this is the end of your nation, you're going to finish. And they do, they disappear, they, they finish. Whole nations, whole, whole peoples, because he is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and he gives them to whoever he wishes. Daniel 4.32, the Lord God is sovereign over all kingdoms. He sets kings in places. He decides what they will do. The king's heart is like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wants. Proverbs 21.1, he decides, he decides who's going to be the king, prime minister, the head of our country. And sometimes you think, well, okay, God, why'd you choose that guy? (laughs) He has his purposes. He has his purposes. Think about this. One time he set this guy up as a, uh, now I actually don't know my history well enough. I don't know if he was, I think he was Jewish. Was Pilate Jewish or Roman? He was Roman, ruling the Jewish that part of the Jewish, okay, I just suddenly had a blank there. So he put this guy up called Pilate. like, why would you use him, God? And he was terrible. Like, what a terrible miscarriage of justice. You know what this guy did? He, he crucified a completely innocent man. I mean, it was just an appalling miscarriage of justice, an appalling leadership. But you know what? Nobody gets upset about it these days. Nobody goes, what are we going to do? You know, as Christians, we need to you know, campaign against the Romans, they were so bad. It's like everyone just goes, oh yeah, Pilate, he did a bad job. But God had a plan. Guess what? (laughs) He set up a bad leader to do something that was amazingly good. So even if we think the leaders are bad, God has a plan. He can do what he wants. So he uses bad governments to do good things sometimes. And it's hard to understand why, but he, he, we can see it. The bigger picture in that situation, we just can't always see it in our own situation. So he does amazing things in in life. And, you know, William Wilberforce, who I mentioned before, he raised up a man like that who was instrumental in, you know, he was a British political leader in the 1700s and he, as a Christian, and he was very instrumental in abolishing slavery throughout the British Empire and eventually well, to some extent throughout the world, of course, there's still issues going on. So 
God is sovereign. You see, he's in control. It's okay. He is the God of gods. And another thing, he knows the temperature of the planet, okay, in every place. He knows when it goes up and when it goes down. A lot better than we do, actually. It's not easy to measure. And he is absolutely in control of the levels of the ocean, okay? One time, he decided to flood the whole earth, and then he pulled the sea back again. So he's in control. So please, don't be worried about climate change. God's not worried about climate change. We shouldn't be worried either. Should we look after this earth he's given to us? Absolutely. I don't think we should be spewing rubbish everywhere. That you know, upsets me to see rubbish on this lovely planet and rubbish in the air for that matter. So yeah, sure, we should be careful and we should look after our planet. But we should not be frightened and we should not think for a minute that we can kind of control the destiny of this planet. And I can assure you that over the last hundreds of years, I actually found a list of all the times that mankind has said the planet's going to stop, like starting in 1906, we're going we're gonna to run out of this, we're going to run out of that, we're going to have an ice age, we're going to have no fossil fuels. The fossil fuels were all going to be gone by the 70s. Like we, now they hate fossil fuels, but at that time it was like, oh no, we don't have enough, we're running out. It's like, we didn't run out. We were gonna run, I grew up thinking we are going to run out of food by the, the 90s. With the, seriously, seriously, I was personally scared as a teenager. I'm like, what are we going to do? We're all going to starve. What are we going to do? My children won't have anything to eat. Are we going to have to grow seaweed and eat seaweed? I know, I know. We have to grow seaweed because we were all going to starve. I mean, I'm not even kidding. I was actually scared about it. Like, I remember going, God, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? We're going to run out of food. We're going to run out of everything. And we were going to freeze to death. Then they decided it wasn't freezing, it was heating. I mean, look, whatever. There's always a reason why mankind thinks that things are coming to an end. And you know what? They are. The world is going to end. <laughs> but it's going to end when God decides it's going to end. And the only thing that we need to do to get right about the end of the world is not to try and change the temperature of the planet. What we need to do is get right with God. Because that's the only thing that will save us. When the end of the world comes, nothing will stop it. And the only way to be saved is to be right with God. So that we, we have the opportunity to enter the new heaven and the new earth. So our job as Christians is to be sure. Yeah, if people want to be scared of the end of the world. I, I'm like, well, maybe. But the only answer is to get right with God. Okay? So listen to this. Psalm 2 verse 1. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. But then in his anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. <laughs> I nearly didn't read that last bit, but I thought, no, I'm going to read it. You know, God gets angry sometimes too. <laughs> we like to hear about the nice God, but sometimes he just laughs at them like, seriously, guys, <laughs> what? <laughs> but other times he gets angry when they start getting really proud and really wrong and he gets angry. So he has a plan for the nations, praise God. He also is King of kings and Lord of lords over us. If we let him, he has plans for us. He knows the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, less than 10 years ago, but <laughs> I'm not looking at you, darling. Sorry, I just looked down at you. It's <laughs> so bad. I'm going to have a bad time tonight. Okay, sorry. I don't know why I did that. That's a bit brutal, isn't it? 
I could have looked at you, Byron, but I just didn't dare look anywhere after I said that. So he has, um, <laughs> he has a plan for you. He even has a reason why you have less hair, I'm sure. But, um, you know, Esther, who was married off to a king and became part of a concubine, weird kind of life. How about that, hey? You want to you have a husband with like a hundred other wives and if you're lucky, you get, you know, one night with the king. Like, okay, wow, what a life. However, you know, her father said to her, who knows, Esther, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this, for such a time as this. It was her uncle, yes, Mordecai. So, you know, God, sometimes our life might look a little weird, but God has a plan for us as individuals. He's amazing. You know, one individual who I was interested in um, because I thought it brought together the plans that the way that God uses nations and individuals was Rosa Parks. I don't know why I started to think about her, but um, all Americans know her name because she was instrumental in the 1950s in um, part of the uh, civil rights movement. And um, I'll just tell you a little of her story. In 1955, like any other day, she says, I got on a bus to go home. I stepped on the bus at the front, paid my dime to the driver, and then I have to get off the bus and go back to the back of the bus and then go through the back door to get on the back of the bus because Rosa Parks was an African-American and they had to go in through the back. And they had seats where they were only allowed to sit in the back of the bus. And so she sat in the section of seats that was reserved for... African-Americans. That's where she sat. That's where she was only allowed to sit by law. Anyway, a white man boarded the bus and it turned out that the white section got full. So the bus driver decided to decrease the African-American section of the bus. And he went up to Rosa Parks because she was at the front of that section and to the other African-Americans there and said, you need to move back. You need to move back. Now, what I didn't know about Rosa Parks was she's a Christian. I did not know that. You don't hear that necessarily from the world. And she says this, <clears throat> I instantly felt God give me the strength to endure whatever would happen next. God's peace flooded my soul. My fear melted away. All people were equal in the eyes of God and I was going to live like a free person that God <clears throat> created me to be. <clears throat> I refused to move. She would not move. The bus driver looked at her and said, you all better make it light on yourselves and let me have those seats. But she said, nope. The other three black people moved, but I still refused to move. He called the police and she was arrested. And she went to jail briefly. Uh, but when she was let out of jail, she went to church. And at church that night, there was a new young preacher and his name was, he was 25 years old, his name was Martin Luther King. And so all of them got together in a prayer meeting and they decided that they needed to do something about this. They needed to take her case further than the initial situation where it was. But they also decided to stay off the buses. And so they did. For 381 days, Montgomery bus boycott, the African Americans refused to use the buses at great personal hardship because they had to walk, some of them, over 20 kilometres a day to get to work and home. <clears throat> some of them had cars, they organised car lifts if they could, some of them walked, some of them just lost their jobs. <clears throat> but they refused to use those buses until they were treated equal in the sight of God. So, 
eventually the law was changed. She won her case and eventually that law that buses must be segregated was declared unconstitutional. And Rosa Parks became very famous. She didn't have an easy life after that, I might add. She got death threats and all sorts of different things. But, um, you know, she, she at that moment, that, her, that individual and the nation crossed paths and something that needed to be changed in that nation was changed. But it was a God moment. And, and God actually touched her life. And she, she, didn't, she didn't plan to do that. It was a spontaneous moment. But she just went, I'm not moving. She, and she just knew it was God. And so listen to this. You know, God has a plan for you. And there are moments when God will use you. And you don't always know where those moments are coming. And we don't, we don't set out necessarily to do these great things. But listen, Daniel 11.32. The people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great things exploits. Come on. God is King and Kings and Lord of Lords of our lives as well. And He wants us to do great things. And it's our decision to choose to follow Him and to be with Him. And maybe this morning you feel like, well, I'm no Rosa Parks. (laughs) I mean, she was just a seamstress, a simple woman, a simple job. She just, she was nothing special about her. She'll say that herself. She's dead now, but she would say that. Um, But, you know, sometimes perhaps we feel like we've ruined plan A for our lives. But God's amazing. He's got plan B and C and D and he weaves it together. So start from now. Make sure, yes, God is the sovereign King of kings and the Lord of lords of the universe. But is he the sovereign King and Lord of lords of your heart? Uh, Or are you holding out on him? Is it, yes, Lord, whatever you want, in Rosa Parks' case, at great personal cost, sometimes maybe not such obvious personal cost, but always with a heart of obedience, whatever you want, God, I'm going to do because you are God. Who are we to disagree with God? It's incredible that he actually gives us the option to do that, but he does. And that brings me to my next point, that is that God allows evil. And this has always caused a lot of problem for people because it's like, well, if God is God, if God's totally in control, if God's King of kings and Lord of lords, how come there's so much evil on the earth? So the first answer to that is that we chose evil. He said, all right, I'm going to create the whole earth, man and woman. You can choose. You can choose good or evil. And we chose evil. We decided to disobey God and to eat the, um, from the, the, the tree that we were forbidden to eat from. He offers us a choice and... Adam and Eve, our forefathers chose sin. And guess what? So did we all. (laughs) We all choose to sin. We all make mistakes and we sometimes do it deliberately. And he gives us that choice because he loves us, but it's still our choice. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you. I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your children may live. We're still choosing. And yes, we often do make the wrong choices. And when we make the wrong choices, there are consequences. And our life is not so pleasant. So part of the problem of evil is just because we've chosen to do the wrong thing. You know, any parent understands this concept. I mean, you know... Why do I let out my children at this point, Keelan, drive around in dangerous cars and he could kill himself? 
Why do we let them do this? We give them this freedom. They make mistakes. I, I remember my son Hudson when he was little and I just let him crawl out the back garden. As you do, you've got to let them free to some extent. And um, he was very quiet for a long time and I went to find him and there he was, eating snails. And I was like, wow. He was eating a lot of snails. And I remember, did you find him, darling? Oh, thanks for that little addition. Apparently, apparently I was asleep at the time and Chris was looking after him. So you were looking after him, darling. Oh. Okay. Anyway, um, while Chris was looking after Hudson one day, uh, Hudson was... But the, the terrible thing is, I remember going and seeing it and he was spitting out... The, I always remember that he was spitting out the shells and there were all these empty shells... That disturbed me. And the other part about it that disturbed me was that I took him in to have breakfast and he didn't want to eat. He was full. It really disturbed me. I'm like, oh my goodness, he doesn't need any food because he's full of snail. I'm just like, oh. So, you know, why do we allow our children to run around in parks and eat snails and bless little Ethan, fall off bikes? Why do we let them happen? Because we're parents and we give them freedom and, and that's life and we, and we let this happen. So even though God has ultimate control and he's perfectly good, he does allow things to happen. And you go, why? Well, we know that in the book of Job, sometimes to judge us if we've done the wrong thing, back to the nations, but sometimes to test us and to teach us. And that's very obvious in the book of Job, Satan actually said to God, I'm gonna, I want to really harass Job because he's only good because you're good to him. And God said, all right, you can. So it's tough. We kind of go, wow, God, you, you let him have all that suffering? It's like, yes, he did. In his wisdom and his goodness, he allowed Job to suffer. And in his wisdom and goodness, he still allows us to suffer. But he's a good God and he makes it work. This has been... An issue, of obviously, over the centuries, Calvin said this, in a wonderful and ineffable manner, inexplicable manner, nothing is done without God's will, not even that which is against his will. God is so powerful, he can direct any evil to a good end, Thomas Aquinas. Listen to this, Lamentations 3.33, I think this explains it well. Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. He does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. That word there, willingly, means from the heart. It's literally the Hebrew word leb, which is heart. So yes, he allows that thing that caused us grief. He's very gracious and good about it. But there's, it's almost like his will from his heart and his will from necessity. God willed that Jesus would die. He did, it was not his will for Herod and Judas or Pilate to sin because he doesn't ever want sin. I desire for my children to be good and when they're not good, I did things to them. I made them stand in corners or sweep or even occasionally I gave them a good old smack. And is it my will to do? Do I want to hit children or to put them in corners or to be unkind to them with great discipline and self-control, obviously, but still, do I want? No, I don't want to do that, but it's necessary. I will to do it because it's the right thing to do. 
for them sometimes, to teach them. So there is a will from your heart and there's a will of necessity and God allows us to do things that we don't always understand for judgment or for training. But he has his purposes and we have to know that he's good. And, you know, um, I think sometimes for us on earth, we just think that the worst thing that can happen is death. It's like, oh, why did God allow this person to die or that person to die? But we have to remember that for God, death is, is not final at all. For God, death is the beginning of that person living with him if they're born again. So sometimes we think, oh, it's so sad that little child died. But God, God, God has his purposes. And we have to remember that in the end, we will see everything come together. The justice, the reasons, his goodness, his love, his mercy. We'll see that. We don't see it all clearly now, but we will see it one day. Because in the end, it'll all come together. We're in the middle of it all. It's hard to understand what's going on now. What possible purpose did you have for this God? But often we see it later and some of those things we'll see even later when we're in heaven. So death is not terrible at all. When you're a Christian, you go to heaven. It's terrible if you're not with Jesus. That's terrible. But we must realise that we are completely incompetent and incapable of understanding God's will. How can we understand his vast wisdom we must merely serve him, submit, and know that he is good. Paul said it in Romans 9, 20, we think, was Paul. Indeed, who are you, O man, to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, why have you made me like this? Paul saying the same thing that I said. Who do you think you are? We don't understand. But these things happen and God has a purpose and he will bring his purpose about. Even when we disobey him, he'll bring his purpose about. But if we keep disobeying him, we do have choice to, to pull away from him completely. So finally, in all of this, what do we do? We read in Psalm 26, 3 and 4. You keep in perfect peace all those whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord, the Lord himself is everlasting strength. You keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. Our response to knowing that God is the sovereign is to trust him, to just have a real sense. Look there, it's in Isaiah, I'm sorry. To have a real sense of trusting God. It's okay. He's in control. I can trust him. I can relax. And in trusting him, we have peace. So even when things happen that we don't understand, if we can come to God and say, God, I don't, okay, I don't get this, but I trust you. You're good. You love me. You have a purpose for me. You have a purpose for my nation. You have a purpose for the universe. I fit in somehow. I'm just going to trust you. Once we let go because we don't understand, then we have peace. But then we have peace. When we're trying to understand it, when we're frustrated or annoyed or complaining to God or complaining to whoever else represents God around us, okay, then, then we're, we're messed up. But once we let go of that and trust him, we have peace. And that word there where it says, trust in the Lord forever, the Lord himself is everlasting strength. The word strength there is actually rock. It's rock of ages. It's where we get that great song, rock of ages. And it's the Lord is our rock of ages. He's our rock. We can rest secure on this 
incredible rock and rejoice knowing that God is in control. So our peace in all of this comes not in the absence of conflict because the conflict, the troubles, the difficulties, the you know, broken hands, whatever it is, they still happen. They still happen and they will continue to happen as long as we're on this earth. But our peace comes not because those things leave us, not because, you know, all of a sudden we don't get sick or that difficult person goes or the job's easier or whatever. Our peace comes because we trust him and we know you're in control and we flow with his leadership. That's when we have peace in his presence. Praise the Lord. So in the end... In eternity, all things will be resolved, made fair, right, and perfect, because he is good. Psalm 511, let those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. So let's rejoice. God is sovereign, he's in control, and he's good. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the Lord, the King of Kings. We just recognize and honor and fear you, Lord God. We have great respect for you. And Father, I pray for anyone here, if we are not allowing you to be Lord of our life, if we and not allowing you to take your rightful place as our God and King, I pray that we would say yes to you and allow you to be our Lord. If there's, just, if there's any of you here that haven't allowed him to be your God, your ruler, say yes to God now. Submit your heart to him. Say yes to Jesus to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords of your heart, of your life. If there's any area of your life that you're holding out from God, lay it down and let Him be Lord. He'll work it for good. So we choose to give you our whole hearts and mind and life and strength right now, Lord God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. There is power.